This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Shavua Tov, a wonderful week to everybody out there and welcome to Chai FM 101.9 where we learn Torah over the air and as always we are looking at the most mystical text <laughs> and the most fundamental text um, and that is the Torah. As we know, Torah comes from the word instruction and this primarily is the foundation of everything that we do, how we think. Um, how to behave comes from the five books of Moses and hence very, very fundamental for each and every single one of us to uh, familiarize ourselves with the text itself. And why do I call it mystical? Because we are told that, in fact, learning Torah comes on many, many levels. We are told that we enter into a pardes. A pardes is a, an orchard, um, but the metaphor um, is actually... As such that the word pardes stands for four words, pshat, remez, drush, and yesod. And, um, and sod, not yesod, apologies, sod. Pshat, remez, drush, and sod. Um, and these are four different levels that we can understand. Torah pshat means the simple meaning. Um, remez means that there is hence an um, allegory that we can find Drush is the Midrash and, and everything else that the story behind the story behind everything and then Sod which is the mystical part and whenever we look at a verse in Torah we look at it through those four lenses one can look at it and that's what, what is so amazing about Torah is that it's been around for 3,500 years and it's been learned over and over and over again by individuals from the most simple to the most scholastic um, and learned every year at least. Um, certainly when the Pasha comes around and so some people, they will learn the Chumash over and over and over again. I can tell you from my part, I'm going through the, the, the uh, book of Genesis. is something I've done many, many, many times. One, as a student myself. Two, I taught it um, for many years. Um, in primary school because this is the book of the Torah that we generally start with. And certainly now um, helping and teaching adults, Parsha, um, I've looked at this many, many, many times. And it's quite fascinating and quite invigorating and certainly inspirational that every single time you look at these verses in Torah, you are looking at them anew and learning something more profound about it. And that is why... The study of Torah stands aside and stands away from any other type of uh, intellectual study that you can do um, in any other field. You could be studying genetics or, or, or mathematics or or English or etc. etc. Eventually, if you do it enough times, you become an expert at it. But the information is static. Once you've learned it, you've learned it. If you are um, Learning a mathematical equation, and I'm going as simple as one plus one equals two. One plus one will equal two when you are one years old and when you are 70 years old. Um, those fundamentals come in, and not too many people will go back and relearn that one plus one equals two. Torah does have its basics and fundamentals that are non-changing, but every time you go and you look at these verses and you, you, you read them and you understand them and you see what they say, there is another lesson and something else that can be culled from it. And that's why it makes for such a fascinating um, 
discussion and fascinating journey. So welcome and uh, join me on this journey every single week. Monday is my slot, 1 to 2 p.m. And as always, I welcome anybody who'd like to say something on the topic, ask anything. Our SMS number is 34519. Our telegram number is 061-895-1019. Now, last week we were in the middle of World War One. We were looking into the verses in Chapter 14 of Genesis, which describes how four kings... Um, go against five kings And that basically was the civilized world How they fought it out The four kings were very successful They wiped out four of the five kings The only king that survived from the five king axis Was in fact the king of Stom Which we will meet now again And um, the four kings actually just looted the place Took everybody as captives Took all the food Took all the belongings of the nations that were under the rulership of the five kings um, and in fact went and uh, took Lot, Abraham's nephew, as captive as well in a strategic plot to hopefully lure Abraham um, to them so that they could get rid of Abraham as well. What was happening with Abraham during this period of time was that his his um, greatness and um, his stature in the land of Israel was growing as a man of God, as a man whom miracles happened to. And they figured, well, let's get rid of him as well. And they were feeling quite uh, good about themselves. They had just annihilated a very, very strong force of tens of thousands of soldiers. And huh, who was Avraham? We know that he started with 318 men and withered down to just a couple or just a handful by the time he decided to go wage war against the kings, the four kings that were left, one of them being Nimrod. Um, and uh, as we know, and this is where we left off last week, he actually comes to wage war against the kings and he has this miraculous sand that he throws at the kings that turns into weapons and actually annihilates the entire um, army of the four kings. And the only person that is left to survive there is the first king, Nimrod. So out of nine kings, two kings are left, the king of Stom and the king um, king of Babel, King Nimrod, and uh, we will now see the demise of King Nimrod further on in Parshat Toldot, and we will see now what the king of Stom is coming to say. And uh, it was quite a whack for these four kings. Imagine a guy with a couple of other guys coming and winning a war that no one would ever, ever have uh, predicted in, in any way whatsoever. So this is where we're at. World War One is tapering down. Um, Abraham has now managed to capture all the loot and the bounty and the people and the food and the belongings of this huge world war. And just after the break now, we're going to go and see what actually he does with all the stuff that he's now inherited. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Welcome back, and I uh, hope you're flipping the pages. Uh, if you do have a Chumash, you have one of the five books of Moses. We're looking in Genesis chapter 14, 
And we are going to start with verse 15 um, Just to take a little step back And just to see what we were saying just before the break And follow up from there So Abraham divided his forces against them Meaning against the four kings at night Him and his servants And then um, he Defeated the enemy, they, he pursued them as far as Chova, Asher Kismol Ledamesek, which is left to Damascus. So you remember we said that he, after the four kings had left the um, area by Storm, which was the, the Yama Melech, the Dead Sea, they moved northwards and they marauded and killed. It was one of those pogrom type of, uh, uh, scenarios where they just ravaged the the earth as they they moved up, and they were quite a bit in Syria. And Abraham chased them as far as what was called the city of Dan, and he um, divided them, divided up his very little force, and he managed to um, he managed to beat them. Vayechalek alehem laila, which is translated as. Um, he divided them at night can also be read the night was divided against them, meaning that he fought until midnight and he was victorious. Verse 16 then reads, So he brings back all the property, and Lot, his nephew, he also brings Lot's property back. He brings the woman and he brings um, the people. So basically what happened, as I explained earlier, he had managed to capture everything that the four kings had captured. Um, he released all the people of Stom who had been taken captive and he took them along with him. Um what happens then? Verse 17, The king of storm comes out to greet him. Once um, Abraham returned from his victory over Kedala Omer and the kings that were with him, um, the king of storm comes out to greet him in what was called the king's valley. Now, initially, what the king of storm came out to do was he was quite boasting. He, 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 he got a little bit back his ego. Remember, he was the king that was saved from those tar pits that we spoke about last week, that um, they, they were fighting in an area that had a lot of asphalt, and they were sucked in. Most of, most of the people died that, that way, and the others that didn't die that way and managed to escape ran into the hills. The king of storm was saved because Abraham had passed by him. But now, when he sees Avram on his way home, the king of storm comes out and he says, Hey, you know, just as uh, you were saved from the fiery furnace in ur Kasdim, I was saved when I fell into the tar pit. And even though I was defeated by the other kings, that doesn't reduce the miracle. Um, and I have as much merit to be saved just as you are. Just by blowing his, his trumpet a little bit. And... Um, Further on, and I'm going to skip the next three verses because it just doesn't follow in story terms. 
the king of storm says to Avraham, Vayomer Melech Storm el Avraham, the king of storm says to Avraham, Ten liya nefesh ve'arachush kach lecha, give me the people, but you can keep the property. He wants to once again reestablish himself as king of storm. But in between that story of Abraham coming back from war and being confronted by the by Melech Storm, there is another king that comes out to greet him, and those are the verses eighteen to twenty, which we're going to read now, which is as follows: Umalkitzedek Melech Shalem, a king by the name of Malkitzedek, who was the king of Shalem, Haitzi Lechem Ve'Yain took bread and wine. He took it out, meaning he came to greet Abraham with bread and wine. He was a priest of God on, on the Most High. And this Malkitedic blesses Abraham, and he says, Baruch Abraham, blessed is Abraham, um, to God, who's on Most High, who is the possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed is God, the one on uh, the, the God on High, Ashemagen Tsarecha Biyadecha, who delivered your enemies into your hand, Vayitelo Maser Bakol, Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. Well, who is this Malkitedek? Who is this king? That comes out and has such reverence for Abraham. So we're told in the Midrash that Malki Tzedek is none other than Shem, the son of Noach. If you recall, Abraham had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yafet. Shem actually happens to be the great-great-great-grandfather of Abraham. Um, he um, came to a place called Shalem, which Here's another bust to all the fake news out there. Shalem is in fact Yerushalayim. 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 Okay. Um, he comes to Yerushalayim, shame, and he is a very, very um, uh, looked up to person. He, they, they, they see um, his intelligence and his righteousness and the people that were living in in, in, in Shalem come and say they need to have a king themselves. They need to require a government. And so they crown him king and they call him Malki Tzedek. Malki Tzedek literally means king of Tzedek, king of righteousness. Um, and that was his nickname. So here we have Shame who is the, 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 the great, great, great grandfather in the Jewish lineage, he's also the guy that sets up the yeshiva that, um, that Rivka goes to, that Yaakov studies from, that Abraham went when he was young. Um, he is very much connected to God. People see his righteousness. And so he's king. And when he hears that um, Abraham has been victorious in war, he comes out to Abraham. He brings out bread and wine to celebrate with Abraham and he blesses him. He gives him an entire feast of bread and wine. And this really was the custom, by the way, um, for soldiers returning exhausted from war, that they should eat such a meal. Now, you would think that shame should be upset with 
Abraham because in truth Abraham had killed many of Shame's descendants, but Shame didn't because he knew that a lot of certain lines of his descendancy had grown wicked and that they deserved to die. So they greet each other and um, Shame was actually, as it says here, who Kohen Le'elelion, he was the Kohen Gadol. He was the high priest. Now, one of the customs that um, existed in the time of the temple, and uh, we practice it today in a different way, is that anything that we earned, anything that we grew, anything that we baked, we would give over a tithe, a tenth, to the Kohanim. The Kohanim and the Levim were a... a um, Shavit were a tribe of people that um, that survived on the support of the Jewish people. They did not inherit land. They they were not farmers. They were not businessmen. They were not not even scholars to an extent. They were the people that served in the Beit HaMikdash. They served in the temple. Yes, they were scholars that they understood the law of Torah, but they didn't make it their only. Um, business, they were running the tabernacle and later the temple. And so they were the recipients of, um, the Jewish people by receiving a tithe of everything. So now Abraham comes and he sees Malkitzedek. Malkitzedek greets him with a festive meal and as was and then will be and still is the custom. He gave him one-tenth of everything that he had gathered, that he had earned, so to speak, from this war. Now, today we don't have Kohanim, but we still have various, um, we, we have the mitzvah of tzedakah, which is tithing our earnings. We give it to the poor institutions today, it is a compulsory thing. It's not a nicety. It's not if and when you have money. Save of a situation where you yourself are surviving on charity, meaning you are the charitable case and are receiving um, money from the Hebra and other places. As poor as you may be to all the way as rich as you may be, we are obligated to give one-tenth of our earnings. And no, not after our expenses, before our expenses. So if you're a salaried individual, then you, whatever you come home with in your salary check, you should take one-tenth of that and disperse it amongst charitable organizations. If you run a business um, then you have to go and take the income, lest your direct expenses, and then pay that off with charity. What I'm saying right now is very simple, um, and it is just an overview. It's best if you have more of a complicated uh, situation or you have many questions to locate an Orthodox rabbi who will be able to help you more in how to do this mitzvah. Having said that, one should know that tithing your earnings um, is the correct thing to do, the moral thing to do, the Torah thing to do, and the 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 good thing to do. One of the thing, one of the many um, many many times, I get people who come to me saying, "Well, they can't afford it; they don't have money. Uh, if they give one tenth of their earnings away, how will they make ends meet?" Well, the other side of the coin is, is if you don't give it away, then you're going to land up with expenses. 
um, that will unnecessary expenses that will eat away at that tithe. Ultimately, we are all bank managers of God. God is giving us panossa in whatever measure that we receive and we should give. Furthermore, um, in my many, many years of experience, and this is vouched by Torah, um, I'm not sure if it is the Rambam that says this, but it's certainly written somewhere in Torah, that you can test God um, on this, that giving away your tithe will not will not impoverish you. It, in fact, will enrich you. And you will see um, money coming back to you um, in much greater measure than the tithe that you gave. So I encourage everybody out there to ensure that they are doing the correct thing, the moral thing, the Torah Dika thing, the mitzvah Dika thing, um, and have some faith. You will certainly see that God will give back to you as much as you give to others. And this, by the way, is something that's very, very timeless now, as that we're sitting in the month of Elul, which is the month before Rosh Hashanah, where we are preparing ourselves for judgment. Um, it's, it's in this month that we increase in acts of goodness and kindness and increase in charity. We are told that charity Tatil Mimavet can save one from death and we should increase in charity and in particular this month not only should we increase in charity if you haven't been so good at giving off your giving your one tenth throughout the year make a calculation and see how much you actually have earned how much you've given away from charity and pay up your dues before the year is up um, and if you can increase that, go past the 10% mark um, somewhat. And in particular to this month, it's a very big mitzvah to give to those organizations that will help others prepare for Yom Tov. Um, you're all well known with all the organizations that give food and clothing and um, sustenance to everybody that they need to feed over the Yontav period. And so when giving charity, one should make that type of charity a priority, even though any type of charity is a priority, is, is a priority and, and you can give to, to, to any um, cause that, you know, your heart is attracted to. But particularly before uh, Yontav now, we should be very careful to give to those organizations that are that that need money in order to feed people for Yom Tov. So that is where Abraham gives a tithe, and um, there's a very very interesting verse that we say um, in the Birkat Hamazon when we bench when we wash for bread, and afterwards we say the grace after meals. We we bench. Um, we say that God should, press, uh, um, should bless us by kol mikol kol. Now, those words, kol means everything. Bakol means in everything. Mikol, from everything. Kol, everything. Why do we use those verses, bakol mikol kol? Because we are told that God blessed Abraham, bakol, with everything. And Yitzchak says, I have eaten mikol, from everything. And Yaakov said, Hashem has been gracious to me. I have everything. And so when we want to thank Hashem for our satiate, uh, 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 is it satiate, satiateness, 
No, I'm not sure if I'm getting that one right. Us being full, um, we thank God, Bakol Mikol Kol, that we've actually got everything that God um, that God intended us to have, and that we are we are full, we are satiated. I know that one's correct. Um, so it's a very very important thing to tithe, and it says that it does bring us incredible incredible. Merit. So in between him coming back and meeting Melech Stom, the king of Stom, he actually meets Malkitzedek, the king of Shalem, Malkitzedek being Shame, who was the king of Yerushalayim, and he has a meeting with him. Now, the king of Stom says to the, 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 the people, Vayomer Melech Stom el Avraham, ten li hanefesh ve'aruchash kach Give me the people, but keep the property. Now, um, it says that the king of storm encountered Abraham before Malkitzedek. If, if he had encountered him before Malkitzedek, he would have been too scared to ask um, anything. But because now he saw him tithing and giving Malkitzedek, a tenth of everything. He figured he would be able to negotiate something. And Abraham was pretty, uh, generous. So, um, he figured he'll ask for his people back. What does, um, what does Abraham say to the king of Storm? Vayome Abraham el Melech Storm, Harimoti Yadi el Hashem. I am lifting my hands up. Um, to Hashem, Kel Elyon, the God on Most High, Koine Shemaim Vaaretz. He is the owner, possessor of heaven and earth. And what? Imichut ve'atzruch na'al. Not even a thread or a shoelace. Ve'im ekach mikol asherlach will I take from you. I will take absolutely nothing from you. Not even a thread. Or a shoelace. Velo tomarani, so you will not ever say to me, he erashti el es Abraham, I have increased the possessions, I have enriched Abraham. Biladai rak asher achlu hanearim vechelek haanashim asher hachuiti, except for the young men who have eaten and the portion of the men that came with me, veet avner eshkol umamre hem yichu chalkam, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, they will take their share. Otherwise, for the rest, um, they will, I will be taking absolutely nothing. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Welcome back. And uh, I've just been informed that Centec, the guys that broadcast out High FM, is needing to switch off the High FM transmission for three minutes um, at a quarter to one. So we're just going to have a little bit more of a chat. And then about 15 seconds before, um, I will remind you again that we're going to be off air for three minutes and should be back in just before 10 to 2. So let's cup around and let's uh, learn for another 2-3 minutes. So um, the king of storm 
says to 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 uh, Abraham, give me my people back, to which Abraham said, listen, guy, I'm not even taking anything that belongs to you, not even a thread, not a shoelace. All I'm doing is making sure that I'm paying the dues of the people that came with me, meaning he paid uh, his army, the people that went out to fight with him. And how did he pay them? The way they used to get paid in those days was not by an EFT or bank transmission, but rather by dividing up the loot. So they would have got some of that which they captured. Um, they were going to get, get, um, get, get stuff. And then he mentions three men, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, um, which he said he will also give their food to, and that was, in fact, um, the guys that remained behind. And this became now a precedent for stuff moving on, for, for, for history moving on, um, when Abraham also included those that remained behind. Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre guarded Abraham's camp while they were out fighting and Abraham recognized correctly so morally so that that actually belonged to that they belonged they needed to be paid as well and so he said to the king of storm not only am I going to give you the people you can have all everything that I have captured back again I'm in no need a because I never want you to point a finger and say that God enriched me and B I don't need your stuff God has enriched me by him enriching me I don't need your Riches and um, paying those other guys are, became a precedent because later on, when King David was uh, fighting, the generals uh, came and argued with King David that only when he went out to war, that only the, the the men that were out to war should be paid. To which David responded, "The share of he who went into battle shall be the same as the share of he who sat with the gear." And that, um, that is a quote from Samuel later on in the Tanakh. Um, so we see here that it's important to always recognize the people behind the scenes as well. So now that we're talking behind the scenes, I mentioned just a little couple of minutes ago, I'm mentioning again now in 30 seconds, high FM transmitters are going to be shut down completely for three minutes by Santec. And uh, hopefully we will be back with you um, after that shutdown. So please do not worry. Don't think that your phone has gone on the blink. It is just us going on the blink, and it's going to be for a short three minutes. So here we go. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Well, after that little hiatus, we're back again. Yay. Very excited. And just to finish up what we were learning over here, Abraham goes and says to Melech Storm, you can actually take everything back. I'm not going to take anything that is not due to me, save of that which has to be, has to go to my army and the people that looked after me. So what we see from here is something very very, very important and something that is, uh, not, um, it's not, it doesn't form the psyche of society today. And that is absolute honesty and integrity. How many of us can absolutely trust 
ourselves and other people that when it comes to our dealings with each other, we are dealing with each other with absolute honesty and integrity. And I think that um, corruption and um, stealing and lying um, are all endemic to society because society does not have the attitude of Abraham. And one of the things that needs to be inculcated, we need to get ed- educated about, we need to bring into our lives and into the lives of our children, our schools, our societies, <clears throat> is the godly idea, and Abraham got it right, that our parnosa, our livelihood, our belongings all come from God. If God deems us to have it, you can be a person that doesn't even have a grade three um, education. You could be dyslexic. You could be, um, so to speak, incapable of functioning in uh, an environment, you know, a business environment and still become a mega millionaire. And there are many, many stories about that. And vice versa. You can climb the ranks of intellectual pursuit to get your masters and your PhDs and whatnot and you could be um as impoverished um as 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 I have seen some people become. And why is that? It's not because you don't have the business savvy or you were in the wrong place at the wrong time or had you done this or had you done this, things would have worked out. On the contrary, um it is the principle that everything that we receive physically comes from God. And Abraham understood that a billion percent, and Abraham became exceedingly wealthy because he knew that which was not his did not belong to him, and he also knew to give one-tenth of his belongings away because that too is a correct thing to do. And so, again, this is the month of Elul. This is the month where we really do a lot of introspection. Look in your life lives and ask yourselves, A, have you given your tithe? Have you given your tenth away as God has commanded us? And go ahead and test God. Um, if need be, he will always, always ensure that you get tenfold more than what you've given away. And the other question, more profound question, in our dealings, not only monetary dealings, but in our dealings, in what we say and what we do, are we completely honest? Are we truthful? Do we recognize that that which doesn't belong to us doesn't belong to us? And we make no conniving, um, uh, we don't have a conniving imagination on how we could get more without somebody else being impoverished by it in an illegal way. The way of morality, the way of Abraham, our forefather, is to make sure that all dealings with a fellow man, with God, with your family, is done in absolute honesty and integrity. And it's something that here in South Africa and, of course, across the world, everywhere, um, is something that is unbelievably sorely lacking the amount of corruption, lying, and, and, and people trying to put their hands into pots that don't belong to them. Know that there is a God and what comes around goes around. And um, ultimately, everybody will get their recompense. But our struggle, our uh, challenge is to remain completely honest in what we say, in what we do, in what we think, and to stay on that narrow road, albeit that it is a very, very challenging one. And with that, I bid you farewell for this week. I wish you all a 
wonderful week ahead and please God, we will, well, I will and I hope you will be here same time, same place next week.